What is your only comfort in life and death? How would you answer that question? Well, here's one answer, an answer based on the teachings of the Bible. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood, and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life, and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. That's from the Heidelberg Catechism, and it expresses the biblical hope of the Gospel. Welcome to Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. Please join us as we spend a few minutes in God's Word, searching the Scriptures together and listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd. Here's our pastor and teacher, Wes Bradenhoff. Good Tuesday afternoon to you. Welcome to another edition of Gospel Talk. I'm Pastor Wes Bradenhoff, and as always, I'm glad that you have joined me as we consider the wonderful truths of the Gospel. Well, this week on Gospel Talk, we're considering the gospel that is found in the biblical teaching of providence, God's providence. What do you understand by the providence of God? Well, God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power, whereby, as with his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them that all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. That's a definition of providence that comes out of the Heidelberg Catechism, from 1563. Beautiful definition, I think a biblical definition. Well, to begin with on Gospel Talk today, we want to look at the doctrine of God's providence as illustrated in the life of Joseph. Now, we began with that yesterday, but I think it's good to continue with it today. Also to look at these passages from Genesis 37 and Genesis 50. So I'd like to read those passages with you as we begin today. So Genesis 37 at verse 12, Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, 
let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? And they got Joseph's blood, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. And Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. And then at the end of Genesis, that was Genesis 37, but when we look at Genesis 50, we read these words as well. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Now, this story that we've just been reading is very well known, the story of Joseph and his brothers. Joseph was the favorite son of Jacob, and it drove his brothers crazy. Jacob gave Joseph that beautiful ornamented robe, traditionally the robe of many colors, and that made his brothers hate him with a rabid intensity. And when Joseph had a dream in which he ruled his brothers, and then he goes and foolishly tells it to his brothers, that only makes them more angry and more jealous of him. And then the stage was set for what happened in chapter 37, that horrible, dark event in the history of Jacob's family. It started with Jacob sending out Joseph to check on his brothers out in the fields. Joseph goes out, and when he finally finds them, they see his beautiful robe coming from a distance, and they hatch an evil plan. At first, they plan to kill him, but then they realize that there's a better way to get rid of him and make a profit at the same time. So they decided to sell him to some traders passing through, Midianite traders, Ishmaelites. Rather than kill their own flesh and blood, they simply decided to sell him instead so that he would spend his life as a slave somewhere. All for 20 pieces of silver. Now there's tragedy in what happens to Joseph. He's on top of the world. He's his dad's favorite son. He's got everything going for him. He's on an errand to please his dad. And then all of a sudden, his world gets turned upside down. His brothers throw him in a cistern and then send him packing with some strangers. 
He ends up in Egypt, far away from home, in a land where people speak a foreign language and there's a totally different culture. Not only that, he, he becomes a slave, a slave for Potiphar. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of rape and he ends up in prison. You know, those were dark days for Joseph. There's tragedy in his life. But there's also tragedy in what happens to Jacob, Joseph's father. Now, you can criticize him for playing favorites with his kids, and it's not a recommended thing to do. But you still have to feel for him when his sons come back with the bad news that Joseph, that his favorite son, has been mauled by wild animals and killed. Jacob was heartbroken for a long time because of this deception. Jacob might even have been wondering why God would give him this special son and then take him away at such a young age. All of this grief because of an awful deception. Basically, a lie. Jacob's sons deceive him. They lie to him. And we shouldn't look past the fact that this too is tragic and it's evil. And don't forget the tragedy also among the brothers themselves. Now, they made this horrible choice to sell their brother into slavery. And then they lied to their father about it. You can be sure that this evil would have eaten away at their consciences and they would have had to live for many years with the guilt of what they had done. You make a split-second decision and then you pay for it for the rest of your life. This story is filled with dark moments. And things only begin to get better after Joseph has been in Egypt for a few years. Joseph spent at least two full years in prison before becoming Pharaoh's second-in-command. Remember, ancient Egyptian prisons were not like prisons today. They were no club-fed. Even while Joseph was given more responsibilities and privileges than the average prisoner, it would have still been a hard existence, a rough existence. But eventually, Joseph comes out of it. He rises to the top. A famine hits the land hard, just like Joseph said it would. But then Joseph is in control, and he is successfully managing the food resources of the land. And I think many of us who, who are familiar with the Bible, we know what happens next, about how Joseph's brothers show up and they're looking for food you know, to bring back to their father Jacob and their families back in, in Canaan. They come looking for food and they don't recognize Joseph, one of the rulers of the land. Eventually, however, Joseph reveals himself to them. And when he does that in Genesis 45, he reassures his brothers that he's not angry with them. But he says more. In Genesis 45, 5, he says, And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me here ahead of you. It was to save lives that God's, God sent me here ahead of you. And then in verses 7 and 8 of Genesis 45, Joseph says it again. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Did you get that? It was not you. It was not my, my brothers who sent me here, but God brought me here to Egypt. 
The brothers of Joseph had done a great evil and they compounded it with the deception of Jacob, their father, their lie to him. Yet Joseph tells them that it was all God's doing. God was the one who had sent him to Egypt. And Joseph says exactly the same thing in Genesis 50 after Jacob is dead. His brothers were worried that it was payback time. They even appeared to concoct another story to save their hides, a story about Jacob asking Joseph to forgive his brothers. In his commentary, John Calvin, the 16th century reformer, called that story a frivolous invention. I'm inclined to agree with that. But it doesn't matter because Joseph wasn't interested in payback and he didn't care whether or not Jacob had really said it. What Joseph wanted to do was just to reassure his brothers again. You know, verse 20 says it all. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And with that, we see that God was in control of the situation. In his providence, God upheld and governed all things in this story. Nothing happened by chance. And if that was true in the days of Joseph, it continues to be true today. We can trust that God is sovereignly in control and that's good news. We're going to continue with that tomorrow. Hope you'll join me once again. Till then, may God bless you. You've been listening to Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. We trust that the Word of God has blessed you this afternoon. This broadcast comes to your courtesy of the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. The Langley Canadian Reformed Church always welcomes visitors. You can find us at 21804 52nd Avenue in Langley, just to the east of the airport. Our Sunday worship times are 9.30 and 2. You can find more information about the Langley Canadian Reformed Church at our website, www.langleycanrc.org. Once again, that website, www.langleycanrc.org. You can email us at gospeltalk at hotmail.com. That's gospeltalk, all one word, at hotmail.com. You can also call us toll-free at 1-866-288-1087. Again, that number, 1-866-288-1087. This has been Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. Thanks for listening.